man who killed the dog was. Uh, well, I just think... Me, Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bruniverse. Hey, where's my studio today? Um, it's in a guest bedroom in my house. Unlike last week when we were in Key West and I had to stand the whole time, which actually that was kind of fun. And I didn't think the promo would be me forgetting what I'm talking about. Did you see that, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was going to make it. I knew, I knew when I was in that moment I, like I, I, it was more than I said. Oh boy, they're gonna they're gonna edit this and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna put this out there. But you know, you know how many people responded to that? Whatever. Hey, Dude, listen. It's funny too because I sent it to Evan because he was looking for stuff and I gave, I gave it to him and he he watched it and he's like, I'm gonna save this for Monday. <laughs> I knew he would. I knew Evan would do that. <laughs> Dirty little Evan. Um. So. For people that don't know, I also do, I mean, besides the Bruniverse here, I also do a podcast just for my Patreon page. And we're always first on Patreon. Patreon gets first licks of the Bruniverse. And the Patreon, I do, um, I do podcast with Patreon members only. So they become the podcast master for the day and we do an interview and I got to be honest with you. I just did one that was really cool. And it kind of just made this transition into the Bruniverse today. Perfect. I just spent an hour talking to a Marine out in the state of Washington. Um, just, he was in Afghanistan. He was bio biotech stuff. It was, it was a fascinating conversation. Um, and I hope to get that guy, is Stevie B, on this podcast too. Maybe we can link him up with what we're going to be talking about today, which is what I like to to call. Let's just let's get to know a vet. Let's get to know vets. You know, my dad was a, a veteran. Now, when we say veteran, I'm ashamed to say that. I didn't, when I think veteran, I think they immediately just saw combat. I didn't know the term veteran doesn't mean you were in combat. It just means you were in the service, which I didn't know that. And, you know, the way I found that out was on Veterans Day a couple of years ago. And I posted something like, hey, you know, to my dad and, and, and the people that were falling. And I had so many people like, hey, man, it's not about falling. It's about everyone. It's not about, that's a whole different, like, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't apologize, but I'm like, hey, man, doesn't matter. I'm still saying hello to them. So, and I always find it amazing. Um, people always afraid to kind of talk with, with veterans. Like, it's very taboo and, and, and I don't know what the fear is. I just I think the more you learn about any subject, the better, if if you ask me. Um so with that said, today, and also I hooked up before we get into it, um a vet named James, he has an organization which is basically I got your six, and he takes veterans out on adventures. 
uh, all different adventures. And on March 30th, I'm playing Tampa. I'm going to be at Side Splitters, where I saw him last time. And he's doing a fishing trip. Just four guys, four veterans on this fishing trip. Kind of a, um, you know, it's healing the soul and stuff like that. Everyone has different ways of what they deal with and what they cope with and all that jazz. Um, so I'm excited about that. But when I was, when we were talking to James about this in Tampa, he turned around and he said, you know, you should get to know, you know, a couple of friends of mine. And he mentioned immediately one, one off the bat. And I know he talked with Annie. So I'm kind of super stoked. Annie was really stoked talking with him. And, um, I like to bring it, and I don't want to say it's wrong. It's a major, Mike. Are we talking to a major? It's a major, yes. Okay. Now, let me. Okay, so we're going to bring in Major Boyd to the Bruniverse. <laughs> major Boyd. Hey, listen. What's up? How you doing? So I'm wonderful. That Boyd's my first name. Melson's my last name. So it's Major Melson. Yeah, but try growing up with the name Boyd Melson and, and see how that works out for you. <laughs> you had no choice. You had to join it. Right? <laughs> so can I ask just a dumb question? Sure. It's not dumb. Well, only question. I don't understand the ranks. I never. I should know because my father was in a service, World War II vet, and I have veterans oh, in the family. Gosh, what is the, the top? What are the, the ranks? Top. Yeah. So you have two sides. You have commit commissioned officers, and that starts as second lieutenant through four-star general. So it goes second lieutenant in the army, second lieutenant, uh, first lieutenant, captain, major, lieutenant colonel, full bird colonel, and then you have one through four-star general. Four-star being the top of the top, and then Got for it. the non-commissioned officer side, enlisted soldiers. You have private PV1 through sergeant's major. And that goes PV1, PV2, private first class, specialist, sergeant, staff sergeant, sergeant first class, master sergeant, AKA fir or first sergeant. That's an E8. It's a lateral promotion. It's two different jobs, but they're both E8s. And then you have sergeant's major. And that's the army. I know, I know, I know. When I was at West Point and I had to, I grew up in Army Breton, didn't know this stuff. So I had to learn this and I felt foolish going at, going to the academy, not knowing this already growing up in Army Brat. All right. So I don't feel as dumb because no, I really fit. Right. Yeah. And I don't, because I'll sit there, a guy would be like, he's a captain. I'm like, oh, the guy, that's good. <laughs> he's the middle. Oh, that's really high. He's a major. Major sounds real. I'm like, whoa, major. I don't want to mess with a major. Major's like seen some stuff. Um, captains are tough because in the Navy, a captain is one rank below what would be a general in the Army. A captain in the Army is only the third one up with a lot more. A captain in the Navy is equal to a full bird colonel in the Army. A captain is a really big deal in the Navy. If you're a captain in the Army, it's also about 20 years of life difference as well. And wow age difference yeah oh wow so you um so when were you when were you in the service are you still in the service i'm still in the reserve so oh, wow. okay. um, one weekend a month uh this weekend coming up i i shave and i become i become major boyd melson 
And I served, I was started at West Point in summer of 99, four days after I graduated high school. I had a report to cadet basic training. So I went from the happiest moment of my life to the bottom of the bottom. After about 10 minutes there, I realized this is not fun anymore. I thought being yelled at would be fun. It's not fun. It was like the movie. Yeah. I thought yeah. I'd see it in the movies. It looks yeah. great. You well, couldn't like, wait that it was coming up to you like, you think it's funny? Boyd? <laughs> what kind of name is Boyd? You're like, uh, this guy's pretty serious. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, serious. And then when you're like, okay, I've had I've had my kick. I'm ready to go home. Like, no, <laughs> it doesn't end. You're here <laughs> when you graduate. And then I served five years active duty. After that, the day you graduate West Point, you get commissioned as a second lieutenant. You throw your hat up. You become an officer that day. Then you serve five years active duty. Where active duty is every day of your life, 24 hours, you're in the in the army. That's your job. Yeah. And then on the day I I finished my five year commitment, which was May 31st of 08, the very next day I be I entered the reserve, and I've been in the reserve ever since. I was deployed to the Middle East while an officer in the reserve. Uh, I was in a very special program in the army. I was in a unit for the army's Olympic hopefuls. So i train the army it's it's a great marketing tool and recruiting tool to show yeah. that we we also do other things besides what everyone believes go to harm's way and get shot right uh, that's always tell right. me when they say why would i want to join the army so i can go to iraq and die i say well if, if that's what happened to everybody someone named saddam would be running the world and so clearly that's not what everybody does and yeah. so i had a different story and i boxed for the army and i i did pretty well. And so I earned a spot on Team USA those those three years that I was consecutive years. I, and I became the world military boxing champion one year. So my mission changed and it took me out of the cycle for being deployed. And that was something that always sat with me in the wrong way. I'm still in the reserve. I have classmates that died. I have many classmates that were injured. And I mean, we were commissioned in 03, the year we invaded Iraq. And so everybody's going multiple times being stop lost. Granted, I'm getting punched in the head instead of bullets fired, which wasn't fun either. Sure. But still, I knew I was coming home every night. Right. And I volunteered to go in 2018 so that I look back in my story and I still was able to now empathize with what everybody else who gets deployed went through. And I'm very proud that I did it. I don't plan on volunteering again. I did it once. <laughs> so way. when you say when you say you volunteer, first, just quick question, which I think a lot of people don't realize. It may not be for your scenario. Um, wh what? Why did you join um, the military? Was it was it a recruiter? Was it run the family? You said you were a military brat. Was it you were already born into it? Was it something? That you're like, oh, I could see the world because some people, some people, I've heard that. I've heard like, dude, if you grew up where I grew up, like, really, this is the only way for me to learn something. <clears throat> it's all different reasons. There's some like, dude, I just want to go. I want to defend our country. It's yeah, all, all different reasons. So, are you familiar at all with West Point, Jim? <laughs> I got to well check this out. First girlfriend in my life, first one. First, like, <laughs> love everything. Okay. <clears throat> oh my God, I got something in my throat. She gets accepted to the Merchant Marine Academy. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this. 
Um, you know, she's my first everything. Like, I don't know if I can spit. And we're driving in Long Island, and um, the song Shout comes on. Shout, shout, <laughs> let it all out. And I start sobbing, crying. And she's like, what's, what's wrong? I went, you're never coming back. Coming back. We're not going to make it. <laughs> and she said, Jim, what's the matter with you? Like, I'm, I'm, we're, you live in Long Island. I'm going to West Point. It's, it's not far. And I went, nah, there's something telling me. <laughs> Excuse me. There's something telling me. Once you're there, I got to see it. Yep. And you know what? And that was your That right. was it. <laughs> That's That's, you know, it's funny at at West Point we have something called the two percent club. Two percent of cadets that go in with that partner graduate having that same girlfriend or boyfriend. It's called the two percent club. It's a joke. So you say I'm a two percenter. Are you actually the girl you started with or the boy you started with? So you finished with. Uh, yeah. So North Marine Academy. That's a different service academy than West Point. West Point's for the Army. That'd be the merchant marines, but you still yes. the same thing. You got to serve the years back active duty once you graduate. Yes, but the, now was that? Am I crazy? That was, I felt like she did go to West Point. That is not in West Point. Am I a jackass? No. So West Point would be up at by Bear Mountain, and the Merchant Marine Academy is right by the Throgsneck Bridge, right? Yes. Yeah, my brother went there for his first year. So that's not a service academy. Actually, it's like an ROTC hybrid. You can go there and not. And pay a scholar and pay tuition, or you can go there and be an ROTC. And when you graduate, your commission. Got it. I'm right across the bridge. My military uh, Fort Totten, right across the Throgsing Bridge on the Queen side. I'm a New York group and brother. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, I never really saw her again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I did. I saw her like once or twice. So I just knew <laughs> she came. I I saw her a couple months later. Uh, actually, like two, two, three years later, and yeah. she's like, "You don't understand." It was just, <laughs> I was like one of five thousand. I was one female to five thousand men. I went, "I get it, I get it, I get it." And the things, I get it. Yeah, oh, it's all good. Man. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> we were we were twelve percent female out of a little over four thousand of us while we were there. But shoot, when you're and when you're a plebe, when you're a freshman, we're called plebes. You're only allowed to date other plebes. Well, what does dating look like? So when you're a plebe at West Point, you're not allowed to talk outside your whole freshman year, plebe year. You have to walk everywhere with your hands and cups. And every upperclassman you walk by, you have to have greet. And there's a greeting that's designed based off of their rank. And you always have to know what the next four meals in advance are. And four meals are a main, main dish, a side dish a dessert, a beverage, and a dessert. And you have to know what the weather's going to be. And you have to know how many days to the seniors graduate at all time. They're called firsties. How many days to the seniors have their annual, their ring weekend? How many days to the juniors have their 100th ninth ball, 100th ninth ball, which is 100 days till they graduate? So you're not allowed in the hallways, in the dorm. They're called in the barracks. You're not allowed to talk. You're allowed when you get a certain distance from this from the area to act to relax and, and talk. When you're yeah. in the academic building, you can talk. When you're in the library, you can. I don't know what it looks like when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. <laughs> your freshman year, plebe year there. Like your weekend is come on over. You're not allowed to sit on the same piece of furniture as her in the barracks room unless there's a third person in the room with you and to see and 
watching a movie on your computer is like the greatest thing if you have a female to sit down and watch it with, but not on the same piece of furniture. And that's your college life. And you're not allowed to drink alcohol on campus until you're 21 and at least a junior. Wow, there's a lot of miming going on, a lot of plotting going on. Those are the rules, but we're also college age kids, right? So wow. You do you take responsibility for whatever you do. That's all right. You get that. All right. I definitely would not have done well. <laughs> and then you have academics, and then you have to play a D1 uh, a, a sport, and it's tough. It's real tough. So you went into you started. Um, were you always a fighter and a boxer? You just went right into boxing. How'd that go about? Every every cadet there has to take boxing as a mandatory gym class their freshman year. Oh wow! And you have to pass it, and the reason being. When we graduate, we're commission officers. Within six months, that's always the number they give, you can be deployed in a combat zone. And right. you're responsible to give orders with the potentially greatest amount of stress you've ever experienced in your life. And you need confidence. So they don't take, you don't you learn the basics in this class and you have four bouts at the end of the class. And they're two rounds, one minute each, which also lets you know how long a minute can be. Oh, you want to get into that. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. Hold on, before you, you even tried, go you it. tried it. It's it. <laughs> I took. I first I was taking boxing, then I started taking kickboxing, right? But the kickboxing guy, he pulled me aside one day and he's like, "Listen, I can tell you really want to hit things." He goes, "All my students are afraid. Do you want to spar?" And I'm like, "Yes." So we met. <laughs> We met. He's like, we'll do two minute rounds. I'm like, piece of cake, dude. All right, piece of cake. I don't think, I don't think it was twenty seconds. And when I tell you coughing, it was like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just laughing, laughing. He went, yeah, yeah. That's all the stuff coming out. Of you. Look, I couldn't breathe. Just, just. Just being on the defense, I'm like, I, oh god, I'm just gonna tire you out. It's, it was, it was, and then I learned real quick, real quick, not to come out swinging. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. You don't try to, you know, you gotta pace yourself. You gotta put together, you know, right, right, left, left, duck, You get the, it. It's a whole different ball game to put the skills, uh, the cardio. Oh my. God, I had to go jogging every day. I had to jump rope <laughs> just to build my lungs. I'm like, ah. And I, you know, I was a fat kid, so fat Jimmy's like really pissed at me. He's like, why can't we just go get pizza or a bagel? Like, why do we have to? Because fat Jimmy has to go to bed for a while, bro. Um, that sport is it demands you to be in top shape. I agree. So. Hats off to you. I don't want to start anything with you. No, let me tell you. So I remember, and we had two one-minute rounds. And I remember at the end of the first minute, I'm in the corner. And <laughs> I, I, I might as well have had one lung. I felt like they collapsed. And I remember the first thing that went through my head was, <laughs> professional boxing is a lie. It is impossible to go 10, 12, impossible. It's a lie. There's no way that if I feel this way after one minute, someone could do it for 36 minutes, 45 minutes. They've been lying, deceiving my whole life watching TV. Rocky's full of shit. 
<laughs> everything. So it just gave me this greater appreciation. But the idea, they'll pass you as long as you don't, as long as you fight back. Right. And I had one classman, I always tell the story, he got three Fs in his first four graded bouts because as soon as the punches came, he'd go to the corner, turn his head, and just let the dude wail on him. And then the last, yeah, it wouldn't even block it. He would look for a way out. And then I remember the first round of the last bout, he did the same thing. And in the corner, us classmates, got we were like, damn it, so-and-so, fight back! Yeah. And he finally turned his head back and did a pathetic thing, but tried. And they gave him a D and they passed him because he met the intent. Just try. Right. And a lot of those kids, you know, they four four point oh's in high school and then the 12 50 1300 sat sat 2s oh they're not kids that grow up fighting unless they maybe they played a d1 sport like football or bat or lacrosse or something so they have to get used to that to know that as long as you keep fighting you're alive you gotta keep fighting you have to and that's ah. that confidence and started yes. off right off the bat yes and i tell you there's there's something there's also a a, a fear to get over of getting hit. And I got to say, when I got hit and I got hit hard, it, it, there was no fear. You just, you instantly, um, I instantly had respect. Like, well, I didn't think this guy could hit that hard. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that one, wow. I got I to gotta cover the midsection. Oh, no, this is how he gets me. He's going to start dropping my arm. Oh, you bastard. Um, and then you don't know which to cover when you feel like you right know, and, and oh oh my yep, god yep. it's 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 amazing and it gives you a respect and what's also neat is anybody you ever get in the ring with you have like this bond with them for life whether it was just sparring or fighting and you kind of learn like you it's a respect like we're animals and we and we without doubt together. and then after that it's you have a best friend for life which it's almost like i wish for younger youth today if you have a problem with someone, let's just organize it. You guys do what you have to do. You come out, I promise you, you'll be closer after. It's a new respect. That's why you see fighters who talk so much smack before the fight. Yeah. When that final bell rings, you, they're all hugging. They like make love to each other on the ring. They shared in something really special. Yes. Yeah. It. It. I mean, it's. It's like you said. There's that respect. It's. Yeah. You gave it your all. You talking smack. I gave him my all. I was talking smack. I thought I could beat you quicker. You thought I was, uh, dude, I didn't know we were going to be in a battle like that. That was, wow. I didn't know you could fight. I respect what you just did. Good God almighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's pretty, <clears throat> even your men, do you, do you teach boxing too? I, my girlfriend, I was bugging me for a while. So now I've been teaching her and it's backfiring me because she threatens me all the time with her with her fist. Like I'll say something to her and then she'll take the stance that I just taught her. And she'll be like, you want to <laughs> like you want to spit blood, baby? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I put you know, she's right over there as I'm saying it's making her laugh. But I, I do teach and it's teaching you how to relax beyond anything. It's amazing when you're relaxing and breathing. I don't think people recognize how often when stress comes, they hold their breath. Yes. Up. And that yes. makes everything go quicker around you instead of staying calm. But it takes so many thousands of hours of drilling, staying calm with massive amounts of heat put being put on you. Kind yeah. of sounds like combat, right? So putting that on you to learn how to think clearly and keep your head, your head about you. It's helped me in so many aspects of my life. It, 
just staying calm when stress rises. And I'm thankful. So I didn't learn that part from being in a combat zone per se in a, in a actual physical combat with bullets flying, even though I went there in 2018, it wasn't the same as in the early two thousands sure. being in that ring. And the guys I fought against when I was on team USA are world champions now. And I beat some of them. Uh, do you watch pro boxing at all? I have in a long time. I grew up, um, I grew up when it was really peaking. I feel it was peaking on television where you had Sugar Ray in there. Oh my about? God, Sugar Ray, Tommy Hearns. Um, um, what's his name? Yeah, Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler, Duran. Um, even the heavyweights, you had Ken Norton yeah. and George Foreman, and I caught the tail end of Ali and Larry Holmes, and it was it was. And loved, and then I saw the Tyson years, mm-hmm. where I'd be like, "This guy is." <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we'd plan events like, you know, Tyson fighting two months from now. Right? Yeah, right, right. I remember my father saying that when I was growing up. <laughs> yep, I remember. No, it was a planned event. Everyone watched, and then it you turned could... out to be a one-minute event when the fight always, started. <laughs> always one minute, yeah. always one minute. God dang it, savage! I got a, I got a funny. Uh, uh, Sugar Ray. So in 2016, I boxed professionally also, and the, and I did a lot of humanitarian work with, it, especially for like veterans and people who were paralyzed. And the WBC named me their ambassador of peace. And I got appointed this at the WBC convention, and so they had like Sugar Ray Hearns, the Spinks brothers, uh, oh. Hagler, uh, Layla Ali, every Riddick, Bo Holmes, Evander, everyone's there. So. It's funny. Sugar Ray was sitting in the, there was like, it was like 20 seats and then an aisle, then another 20. Sugar Ray's in the very far right corner and Hearns is next to him. And then the Spinks brothers. And it just went on Duran, Julio Cesar Chavez. And then Hagler comes walking down the aisle. He sits in the the farthest seat he could possibly be in to be away from Sugar Ray on the opposite. And I watched him go and I was like, this is awesome. This is so awesome. Like the beef, it's still there. The beef is still there. And I remember that. I, I went I went into an arena to watch that fight um, because they had it on screens. Oh, Nass- yeah, yeah. So I went to uh, Long Island. I was at Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was Hagler. And, I, and I, I wanted Hagler. I loved Hagler. And I was pissed when they were like, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> He won that fight. This is this is BS. I was yeah. so pissed. I wanted a rematch, and I and I still to this day, I don't know. A lot Shut of people up. say a lot of people. Well, Sugar Ray's plan was to just throw the flurry the last thirty seconds of every round. So that was the, what the last thing the judges saw when going in the corner, and you see that he says it out loud. That was his plan. Yeah. Try to take the round. There's a yeah. big psychological component to it with the scoring. The last thing imprinted in their head, it's hard to remember what may have happened two and a half minutes before that. Right. Two minutes before it. Right. And I also felt awesome factor with how fast when he would just run them. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I also felt Hagler had him once or twice where he should have. Not that he should have. I mean, he's trying his best. This close to taking him out, and it's like he he had him hurt, and then you're like, get him, get him! Oh, he let him go. Oh no, That's he's awesome. starting to do. Oh, all right, but well, 
I have that, I had a I had a pretty I have a pretty cool speaking about boxing other stories. So I'm friends with Rashida Ali. That's one of Muhammad Ali's daughters. We're on a yeah. bro bro sis relationship and so I helped co-write a movie when I was deployed and she has a she has a small role that's gonna be in it. It's dedicated to mental health and veteran suicide. And my dear brother Sean Porter, who just retired as a two-time welterweight champion of the world, he's the star. Incidentally, his brother Kenny told me to bring up about your your bit on why alcohol is like a house drinking alcohol is like a house party because you're like okay I'm drinking a little of this and tequila everybody out <laughs> everyone starts fighting yeah that's what he told and me the, stum not... the stomach's the bouncer and he's like everyone's gotta go yep yeah that's what he told me you said not that way the way he came in <laughs> out that's so he's, genius. yeah he's always that's a stubborn awesome. old hot dog I've been here for nine years <laughs> out. No one stays. Everyone's got to go. <laughs> so, so I was speaking to her on the phone, and she read the script, and she called me. And this is like our second time ever talking. She's like, you know, Boyd, I just, I just loved it. And let me tell you, you know what this main character reminds me of? He reminds me of, like, him and the, the guy that the main character fights reminds me of, like, when Frazier and my dad. And, like, Frazier said he was the champ. And dad was like, no, you're not the champ. <laughs> The only reason you're the champs because I'm in prison and dad was so mad about it. And I'm on the other one, I'm like this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Tell, tell me about dad. I want tell me all you have about dad. And then when she finally she kept saying, Dad, dad, and my dad this and my dad. And then at the end, I was like, Miss Ali, I gotta tell you something. Like you're saying dad, and that's like Muhammad Ali. And every time I love this now, we've gotten really close. Every time she calls, I say to my girlfriend, I go. Hold on, baby. Muhammad Ali's daughter's calling me. I just get the biggest kick out of saying that out loud. Yeah. Sentence. Yeah. Coolest thing in the world. He was one of the greatest, not just fighters, just people and icons and, and the movement and the, changing his name to Muhammad Ali. There's a lot of layers of Muhammad Ali that are so important in history and, and, and going to jail and all that. Jail. Like a lot of people... I'm sure that's going to be kind of like not really taught. Yeah, no, he's a great fighter. That's all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> His name used to be Cassius Clay. <laughs> um, that's kind of yeah. like laughing with Mike Tyson now. How it, at one point, so much of America, he was looked at as a villain, and now they just ingratiate him with his. But it's because he says his pain out loud. And it's, yes. I think everybody, there's a respect we have for humans when they say their pain, they make them, because we all hurt, but it's afraid yep. to say it. Yep. And when you yep. hear someone brave enough in front of the biggest stage, say, I'm hurt, I've me I'm messed up, I'm trying to get better. You're like, well, shit, I'm messed up too. Yeah. And yeah. that speaks into the whole mental health and veteran suicide. That's a big center part with, with this. And so <clears throat> this is what I want to get into too. So you box and all that, but that has created a whole new Pandora's box for you where it's, it's the giving side of, I got your six. Um, and what you used with boxing that James was, was explaining to Annie, but I'll, I'll let you explain what, cause you keep talking about mental health, which is so, so important. Um, not just for veterans, for everyone really. And I never even, even just the way you're explaining the boxing to me, is such a, a a different view on, yeah. on what you're talking about, and such a prep on on completely different way. I've never looked at it that way. I find it fascinating. That's but go awesome. ahead. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I, my, my life's journey when I was boxing, while I was still a cadet, I, I met someone I became romantic with and she was a quadriplegic. Mm. And I, I promised her after a certain time, set, we were together for a little while and then I promised I'd never give up on helping her walk again. And I took her around the world for stem cell procedures while we were together, while I was still boxing as an amateur. And then I gave up boxing. I was done. I was an alternate for the Olympics in 08. And I met a doctor who was one of Christopher Reeves' physicians, advisors. And he was trying to bring this clinical trial to the U.S. using umbilical cord cells. And it's great because umbilical cords have no ethical delay. Families are donating their umbilical cords after the babies are born. There's no right. problem. And there's right. and he had all this success in doing conducting this study in China, and the results were published in an American medical journal showing that 15 out of 20 people who are paralyzed and have just seven years can now walk at least 10 meters. Not walk like you and me. Right. Get but, from A to B. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I saw the videos and I and it's published the results showing the cord regenerate like. Whereas it's a blank space now, six months later, a year later, it's glowing and you see the axons growing through. So I decided I'm going to go pro and I was working for Johnson and Johnson in corporate America. And I said, I'm going to go and since I am earning a living, I'm going to donate everything I earn in the ring to this, to this clinical trial and do this my whole career. So nobody can give me a hard time when I ask them to give a dollar, please try to help people walk on a side note. Spinal cord injuries cost $9.8 billion of taxpayer dollars every year for, to help care for people who are paralyzed. $9.8 billion. It's an injury. It's not like it's a disease. It's an right. injury. You can, right. It's an injury. You just need to put, give me one billion of those. That's dedicated to spinal and get it done. Right. So I've been educated on this. I've educated myself. I've spoken in Beijing at a World Stem Cell Conference before. Wow. I helped speak in, in uh, Washington, D.C. and to legislators to try to put pressure on them to give FDA approval to this trial. And we ended up raising $400,000 and HBO Real Sports covered our story. Mm. And then uh, ESPN and Sports Illustrated and Yahoo and Wall Street Journal and Huffington Post, they just did a story. Because I, I was like, the sex appeal that's going to make this cool for people is that it's a fighter giving away his purses. So that's going to be like a aha moment to make people want to want to hear more about this story. And then having it with a male giving it to a female because of a female inspired him to make a choice does it so sounds like a movie so i got approached or before to make a movie about it by my dear brother who's the creator of bar rescue who is a diehard boxing fan but i whoa said, whoa, whoa whoa i need to stop you right there your brother's creator of the bar my rescue? dear brother but not my biological brother. Oh, okay i was gonna say I got offered to host that years ago. Like I think I was one of the first guys. My Darren Reed. I'm pretty yeah. sure you you got to ask him. Is he from Long I Island? I know for I know for a fact. <clears throat> this was years ago. Yeah. When it was first come, I got offered to be the guy. You would have been great. I I, I know I had you kids. I was like great. I don't want to deal with bars, man. I don't want to deal with bars. I'm. It's gonna get ugly. It's gonna get ugly. What are I'm you? But you know what it was because it would have been like probably feeding feeding a, a cat, like giving an inch, and then you would have fallen in love because it would have called on your 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 genius to come out in that space. Yeah, it would have been nuts. So I, was, but long story short, like wow, that's and I always thought about that. It's really weird. I've always thought about like I'm gonna call him up and let him know because he's now he's the producer for our he's one of the producers for our our thing we're trying to raise fun, funding for now. 
for our movie. And uh, Darren Reed is his name. So I told him we don't have an ending yet. So let's just wait. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, we don't yeah, want yeah. to make one up. Get the ending. Yeah. So just be a lot of causes just found that they found their way to me. Not stuff that I've been afflicted with, but just becoming so compassionate. You know, I'm, so my father's Louisiana Creole and Catholic. My mother's born in Israel. Her parents are Holocaust survivors. So Creole comes from Europeans raping Africans in the U.S. And then the other side, attempted genocide. So I have this like genetic compassion, I call it. Okay. And then living alongside somebody who just, since they were 10 years old, had been paralyzed and watching the fight in them and mm. being by them in that journey it exposed me to a new, at a young age, I was 21. So it exposed me and we were together for six years. So it exposed me to just a, a, a part of life and life's lessons that have stuck with me forever to help shape me while also being in the military. And just anytime I got a chance, I would volunteer. People say, we need help, somebody to come speak and do this or raise money for this. And it, it always is what brought me most happiness. And I, and I remember Dr. King, he, the speech, he said, the, there's, the work I do, I'm paraphrasing, it's not verbatim. Yeah, the work, yeah, yeah, yeah. The service, the work I do for mankind is the price I pay for living a healthy life or something like that. And mm. because I can walk, like when I remember when I fell short at the Olympic trials, that last fight and my hand didn't get raised in 07 for the 08 trials, I remember I dropped my head. And because of the experiences I've had of how fortunate I am to walk and knowing how much worse life could be, I remember I dropped my head after this dream is gone. And I said, and so I can walk. I'm okay. I can yeah. walk. I can walk. I'm okay. And I, that wasn't like my psychological immune system just telling me something to make me feel better. I know what that blessing meant from living alongside. And I remember when I went out after and she, my, my, she was with my friends, and I was like, are you okay? Boy? And I said, like, guys, I really am because I I I'm, I'm, I can walk. Yeah, like, I know that the, at such a young age it imprinted in me yeah. the value of that. And then, you know, I guess with the mental health aspect of getting the life struggle, we mental health unites every the mo every moment you're alive is your brain. You're alive. Everybody too. It's everybody. Everybody unites all of us. So people going through drug addiction, like we're a function of every moment of our lives yeah where every second is in there and if you just if you pull away the distraction something's going to come out so we, life is pain with bright moments around it and trying to understand where we came what did we go through that just got triggered that's coming out now and so the drug addicted community became something big for me especially on staten island where opioids were were really coming through and i remember the challenges i had a lot of surgeries when i boxed in the army and boxed from team usa and my body got hooked on that stuff for, for some time where I couldn't sleep without it. It didn't even have any effect on me. Yep. I couldn't sleep because of surgery, surgery, back-to-back -back surgery. One of my one of my nephews went through that and he got real he got really jacked up on something. It was it was pretty dangerous for a while. It's horrible. Yeah. But it could happen to any of us. Like no Absolutely. discriminate. Absolutely. You 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 have a you have a thing where you have a surgery to fix something that you're playing a sport, and doc's like, take these meds. And before you know it, you're taking with the pain, you can't go to sleep without it. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. If it's your mom with kids, take you right out of it. Everything. Next thing, Everything. It, it has no, there's no rhyme or reason. You could be the most intelligent, uh, richest, educated. Doesn't matter. Once you get that drug in you and you yep. get that feeling, it, it, you're very susceptible to being part of that. So you're go right. ahead. 
I agree with you completely, brother. And I started seeing a similarity between people, no matter what they were afflicted with. I say, you there's like an infinite amount of experiences, but there's only a set amount of emotions we can feel. And yeah. can, there's just, that emotion is kind of the same in all of them for different reasons. Different experiences kind of cause the same emotion. And you can yeah. connect with somebody and understand an emotion. Now, I don't have to have gone through what you've been through, but if I see you talk about it, I see your face, I know when I have felt like that. I could be you for anything. Sure. And, and I think often, I'm so fortunate my soul came into this body that looks like this and is built strong in a country that's free that I just lucked out. I didn't have this choice. So I'm so thankful I got to help take care of those around me. Mm. And that's, that's amazing. With. Ah, thank you very much. And now we're, we're so excited. Like I was telling James with this movie we have, we got partnerships with some of our nation's leading veteran nonprofits that are going to market it for free. And they have Altogether, 4.1 million followers over social media. They're going to put this out once we freaking get this funding for and want to make mental health, <laughs> veteran suicide, the leading conversation, not just for a moment, not when an Olympian decides not to compete. And it's a hot thing for two weeks with our short-term memory in this country. And this is what I always say. When it comes to mental health, just hold on a moment. It, it will come back. There's going to be in the news something else. that It's always, if you forgot about it for a couple of weeks, because just wait, someone <laughs> else, and it's unfortunate, someone else is going to hurt themselves. Going to yes. take their life. It's just going to, it doesn't go anywhere, but we don't want to, we want to like sweep it under the damn rug. We want to do a push-up contest, but for, and that's it, 22 push-ups, and, but not actually jump in the cause. And this is what the mission is with this thing. And it's so better than a fighter's life, like a boxer. Yeah. Write a story about that, I think. And so what you do is like, what do you, what is your, let's say you make it where you're actually making the movie. What, what's your, what's your role? Let's say it gets great funding. You're, you got a plan like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this. And I'm going to do that. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll start making another film because there's, there's an interesting, there's a whole interesting element here where what direction you go. It seems like you took boxing. You have so much to offer people. You have so much that you want to offer. And you are you are pretty precise about it, but I also feel as a part of you that wants to like, I don't know where I was. I don't know where I go. Should I go over here and help these guys? I have to, who needs help? Who needs help? I'm here to help you. Oh, you want me to knock you out? I'm not going out. You said it like Balboa. You sounded like Rocky when you said it. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm not. I'm in the arm. You know what I mean? I'm coming here and I get my left. I get my left. I'm the left the uppercut. Always make sure you're on the inside of the uppercut. Hit him in the body, Nick. Hit him in the body. <laughs> Right, you punch you, you, you bum, you're a bum. You gotta go over the head, we go over the body. That's great. That's um, great. Thank you. It for seems that. like there's so much. How old are you? You're so young. I'm 40. That's young. Thank you. Still young. You're vibrant. You're monstrous. Thank you, brother. Well, from someone who's vibrant, I really appreciate that. Uh, so I, I, I released my first motivational speaking album, music speaking album, last year. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. It's called Raindrops, Changing Your Weather. 
I've got really good feedback. I'm going to be headlining at the Dunkin' Donuts Convention Center May 20th. This Hope Heal, uh, Hope and Heal Youth, Hope for Hope and Humanity Youth Summit. And I got a couple of my buddies who are world champion boxers and a couple who are Super Bowl champions that are going to be there speaking with me, including Rashida Ali. And it's speaking to, we're going to have around 5,000 high school students, mostly of color, talking about mental health and community service. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at, they heard, they, got a, they heard the album and the, the powers that be brought it to their universe. And they want me in the same, uh, I'm going to be talking at Google to their veteran community coming on up. So this is a way that I was able to put one raindrop in there and let it splatter out and create a storm for myself to try like to it. amplify my words. Thank you. So if you can get across, like I, listen, <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know how to um, say this without sounding like a nutball, but <laughs> I feel like my whole life, Something's been hiding inside that's waiting to shine and heal masses. And, and then you're like, ah, yeah, it's crazy, dog. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and then, I mean, I still struggle with it. Like where I feel, well, comedy is a healer. It should just be free. If any type of medicine, any type of healing, it should be free. Why would you, if you knew you can help someone with a conversation, wouldn't you just give it to them? Why would you have it paid for? If you could help someone with um, that's, that's sick and you have the remedy, why would you hold it back and charge someone for that? That's, that's, that's So I guess what I'm saying is, I have a feeling a lot of people have that inside, but they don't know how to, they don't know what to do with it. And then a lot of times we get caught up in, hey, you know, give to the frog foundation. I do the frogs. Hey, uh, give to the, give to the whatever from, but, but like um, until you're living it and do, like for instance, my whole life, even, I've been like, I, I'll just, we'll just have a conversation. <clears throat> you know, when I saw my, when I saw uh, my oldest brother die and he left three young boys and I watched how a 16 year old, a 14 year old and 11 year old who had perfect lives. Um, dad lives amazing, has a, a successful lifestyle, business lifestyle. And then they wake up in the morning, dad no longer exists. And so I watched, the oldest one become like dad, the middle one lost. And now, and the, and the little one, the smallest one, just gonzo alcohol, just a mess. And then you see the system. Not that it doesn't care. It doesn't really care. Um, and then I saw a, a, another side where I, I saw the troubled youth and because he had no dad and ended up, going in a horrible way and thank God he's still around. But I remember when I was trying to get involved with foundations, I don't, I would talk to my publicist. She's like, Oh, well, why don't you I said, I just want to help people. Like, is there a thing for broken homes? Is it the broken homes thing? Is it the people that grew up with a family? Is it the veterans? Cause I saw my dad, <clears throat> I saw my dad um, 
but he never complained. He never was sorrow. He never was angry. Uh, he would watch the war videos for hours. He would just sit there. And, and what, the, only, the only things I would hear is 4th of July, he'd go, huh, geez, it sounds like I'm in the South Pacific again. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's what the cannons used to sound like. But, and even them, I wanted to, and I see my uncle who was, uh, who was um, captured by the Nazis and escaped and, I'd see the trauma and the, and what he was going through just as a person. And there's so many people. And I also start, start seeing it in shows when Iraq, when the kids were sent to Iraq and they come home. I knew who they were because they were the drunkest and they were the angriest at the shows. They were all getting into fights. And I also noticed people like, oh, you know, he's freaking vets. So I'm like, whoa, dude. What, what is bringing them to the point where they just got to keep drinking and they feel violent? Like this is, it's not something molded that and they need a lot of healing here. So I've always been tormented where to help, how to help and all that jazz. And it's still tormented. There's just still a little part of me that feels, uh, I, I don't like using the term, but like preacher, of showing people faith and, and not, not textbook style, but just a higher power, a higher energy, a, a life, a God, a this, a that. So I guess this is one big blob of saying, it seems like you have that, but I also feel like so many other people do. Um, and it's pretty powerful what you're doing. And there's so many layers of problems. You know, and I, I spent, I was two and a half years in Harlem and I would see how that community was just, in my opinion, controlled and taken advantage of and just, and I wanted to, and I actually started reconnecting and, and, and the love that I found there, that was a love that I can never, it was, it changed my life changed my life, but also brought on all these different views. I'm rambling right now. However, there's so much beauty in the world and it's just not, it's just not uh, put on the big forum. It's not put on the big forum, but there's so many beautiful stories like yourself Thanks. that, I mean, you don't have to be doing this. You don't have to be, you have to be boxing. You don't have to be giving to the youth. You don't have to be looking. And you talk about the suicide. That is, I got to talk with um, these guys who, and, and they lost their legs. And I, and I, and I asked them point blank. I went, Hey man, did you ever like think about and like, yeah, yeah, of course we did. I did. And the other guy was like, yeah, I did too. And there, there, I would get a boiling rage of anger whenever I would hear a politician talk about veterans. I'd want to throw a chair at the screen because I know, quite frankly, they're full of shit. Um, and it's a sales pitch. But I feel like people like yourself, and there's so many others, there, there, there could be so much more done. I just don't know what all that is. I don't know if it's tiny steps, but the awareness of what veterans go through, suicide, 
you know, I don't like the word post-trauma, blah, blah, blah. No, they're fucked up from watching people get killed. They're fucked up from watching and have to kill and then think about, should I have killed? Did I kill for the right reason? That's a thought that you, I don't like words like PTSD. No, let's just say the rawness of this humanity that's going on in these people. And they're the victims at the end of the day. And I love what you're doing. And I just, I want to get more and more out there of the awareness because it doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect one veteran. It affects their sister, their mother, their best friend, the grandmother, the brother, and the next generation and the next generation. It doesn't go away. Um, and it's very powerful. And I feel like we have to stop this involvement, even now with this whole like, hey, a war, get out of here. You got a problem, you go solve the problem. Don't, that's big money problems. Big money problem. Let the big money people beat the shit out of each other. Don't send our kids. Don't send. I, I'm rambling, but I guess all I'm trying to say is. I understand and I appreciate everything you were saying and opening your heart with that. And that was making you vulnerable because you let me see what matters and what hurts you. So thank you with that. I get it. That was a lot of pain in there and frustration. I, I know pain. Um, but I you, love what you're doing. Thank you, brother. You know, the, for veterans, if we want to stay on that, and thank you for sharing that and making me feel how much you care. Hmm. I mean it. No, I know you do. Thank you. The biggest challenge that happens, I think, is that our military spends so much money building us into this warfighter, and they don't have a, a system to then decelerate us, to prepare us to re-enter and recalibrate us. Mm. And how do you expect us to go through that? And there's no more incentive because they're not using us for the end state, and that's to protect our country immediately. What matters greatly are dollars, right? So if I'm not if you're not paying you to help defend us, I, you're now second tier for what I care about. But the frustrating part comes where if you look at it, it's more longitudinal. Maybe this year. You don't want to spend this money on me now because I'm not in uniform anymore to help create a process to decelerate me. But over the next five years, your taxpayer dollars are probably going to have to be used to care for me when I have to keep going to the VA for psychiatric issues and psychological issues. But America, capitalism is immediacy and immediate gratification. So we don't want, and it's also admitting that we have a problem. We don't want to admit we have a problem. We're the greatest army in the world. We're the greatest country in the world. We don't admit we also have a problem with how we take care of the people that help defend. And it's only 1% of us that wear the uniform. We don't admit we have a problem. If as long as we're staying successful and, and winning wars, this, the rest of it will work itself out. But if you hit the dollar, the dollars always matter. If there was mm -hmm. a huge campaign to show like if you had some statistician to show if you could invest this money up front and you were able to get somebody a, a, some type of system of employment so they have a purpose and then they have a group to go speak to all the time and it's it's there and they know about it. This is what the, the military, when we get off active duty, it's something called A-capping in the Army. For like six weeks, you go to this place, room and they give you a slideshow of if you, if you, when you retire, if you want to go 
have this taken care of, go to this website. If you have this, go to this website. Go, And you're speaking to people that are just thinking about getting out. They may not all be there in their head and you're showing them websites to go to. Like, I give shit about websites at that moment. <laughs> right. Right? And then, right. And then the next day, like, you're out of the army. Like, you're done. And you have no nothing that you have to now manage the VA system. There's nothing there. There's nothing mm. there. If they were to put that money up front for that whole first year that somebody holds you in wrist and takes you through everything and never lets you go, I I bet you that the the longitudinal study would show over those five years the metrics that you save taxpayer dollars over. And that's what people would care about. Even so though almost like a um forgive me, just throw it almost like a halfway house. Okay, like a drug addict will go and they go get therapy you know, and then they come out and they go in the halfway house where they're teaching you how to bring you back in society with everything that you're holding that leads to you doing the drugs. Why not have that as well for veterans? I mean, I, I you know, I, I do a bit on stage where I just go, you know, I, I just say, you know, my dad, you know, I talk about how I was in an accident and I say, uh, my dad... <laughs> Which is true. It's it's the God's honest truth. It was, it was, so my mom clearly tells me that after three Jim Martins, like, you know, I was supposed to bore you. I was 43. It was the 60s. I lost my first husband in World War II, and I met your father, and he made me laugh. And next thing you know, I yeah, but I, they told me I should get rid of you. Anyway, that was great. Um, but what he – I would sit there and go, my dad drank a lot. What a shocker. And then I – imitate you know blah, 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 medic and i'm a guy but i go over the top and and then it goes okay war's over go back to life enjoy everything <laughs> okay <laughs> what's the what's the latest taylor swift tweet <laughs> okay what, what are we eating today lucky charms like what how do you go from that to Whatever they're trying to sell you on television every day is just mind-boggling. And then you're like, oh, I got to be a dad. And I got to be a, a caring uh, husband or a wife or like, okay, oh, hey, kitties, great. But my mind is still somewhere else. That's a great idea to build some type of transitional period to go back through there. Well, The frustrating part is that I didn't – this – I'm friends with higher up brass and and sergeants major retired. They have nonprofits that are doing this, but they don't have the federal government. And nonprofits is off of donated dollars. And I, what I wish is that there was a partnership where, so if the federal government doesn't want to create a wing that's supposed to do this, provide some of these nonprofits with the funding so they can have that niche to carry that out and then send the veterans to them, create that partnership, use those federal dollars to go to a nonprofit. That's, and there's so many veteran nonprofits that have specific niches for all the different parts. So you don't need to, I mean, it would be great if we had a one-stop shop that the federal government funded, but don't do nothing. If that's not there, don't just create, keep creating more nonprofits that people have to donate to either give them the money to handle your job that you're not doing. Yeah, you know, it 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 definitely causes. I, I I've thought about this many times, and it causes such frustration in me. You know, uh, it 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 makes me wonder. 
it just makes me wonder a lot. Yeah. It makes it really makes me wonder. You know, I'd say like a real a real person that cared that was running for office would say, first of all, which which I would foam at the mouth when I hear, yeah, I'm a vet. We're gonna take care of veterans. I I want to shove their teeth down their throat. Um, then how about they don't pay taxes? <laughs> Right off the bat, why do you have to pay taxes? If I served you and I protect you and I was in the military and I served my time, why do I have to pay taxes anymore? You shouldn't have to pay taxes. Let's start with that. Let's start with that simple gesture. I got something else for you along that that's going to piss you off. Do you know that veterans, some veterans find out that they were brought here um, as children from other countries and they under doc, so they didn't know that they weren't citizens and they serve. And -hmm. then when they get out, they get deported. Yeah. Veteran, my, my, wow. My brother helps veterans get their pensions from the VA. He's helping James. He's he's he was on uh, United Shades of America with Kamal Bell to talk about this issue going on with children being brought here, serving in the U.S. and not knowing they weren't citizens, and then ICE getting them when they leave service. And their service doesn't automatically give them citizenship either. And then they're deported to Tijuana where they grew up in Illinois and they have all the trauma from deployments and they have no healthcare benefits and they had to leave their family. There are deported veterans that served good, honorable careers and then found out their parents never told them that they weren't, they weren't born here. Right. And there's no automatic citizenship. This is a huge problem. My brother's had two, two, uh, house, two Zoom calls with the House Chair of Veterans Affairs to propose is, is to give proposals for suggestions to how to propose a new system for this, and it's not being addressed. I wish America knew, like, but not even just that. That's not a talking point. That's not that should be a talking point that everyone in America should know that service does not automatically give you your your uh, does not automatically make you citizen. Uh, citizen. Yes, that's nuts. You, whether you knew you were one or not. Yeah, it's madness. It's nuts. It's nuts. It used to, but they got rid of that. It's like someone that doesn't live in my house came in here and um, they protected my house from all these evil things that were going on. And then when they were done doing it, I went, hey, man, you don't live in the neighborhood. You got to go. You know, you weren't born here. So you got to get out of here. What? Yeah. Oh, OK. Um, well, where can where can people help you? Uh, you're part of James's organization. How did you know James? Oh, so I was invited to play in this celebrity charity softball game on Staten Island at the notorious Staten Island Yankee Stadium. On Staten yeah, yeah, Island. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah. it was people with uh, injured uh, Purple Heart soldiers against professional athletes, and I played for the pur- Purple Heart soldiers, just being a veteran. So I got to play with them. Coolest thing: this guy had a prosthetic leg from the knee down. He took his metal leg off and he swung at bat and he. Beat <laughs> He attached it and beat the thing out the first base. <laughs> it was awesome. So James and I got really hooked up through there. And then uh, I, played, I did that two years in a row. And then James, we have a mutual friend named Lily, who she, less than a year old, she had a tumor on her spinal cord that paralyzed her. And so we, we did a fundraiser for her together. That I, He invited me to come. And I, I he mostly did it. I don't remember what my involvement was, but I've known sure. many. I call him my little flower. And we went over there. And so... Just from there, we've picked up, and then he told me he was starting this, and he said we need a spokesperson, and you got the, the loudest mouth I know. Would you like to 
please be our spokesperson if we need. And I, I've been in front of the cameras for a long time and I, I enjoy speaking about things such as this. Sure. I don't enjoy the cause, but in, someone needs to speak about it and I care yeah. about it a lot. Uh, and I flew on down last October and they had a fundraising event and uh, I came there with my belt and, and pictures and I don't really know if that raised any money, but I still did it. And right. Yeah. So right. I've known James for a very long time and his family. And so I'm on the advisory board for Stop Soldier Suicide. That's another nonprofit. They have the largest footprint out of all social media footprint out of all veteran suicide nonprofits. And uh, got relationships with 22 Kill. They started the 22 push-ups a day. Uh, I have a lot of it. So I just got ready for this. I just got my my dear, call my uncle, not biological. There's yeah. this company that's trying to start this central hub. I don't know if it's going to be an app, but every veteran nonprofit signs up. And so anyone that wants to donate to a veteran nonprofit goes to this one hub and then it will tell you what each veteran nonprofit's about. If you want to. Oh, that's, a that's a cool idea. Cause that's something to be dead honest with you that I've always struggled with. But what I loved was here because you know you give the wounded warriors and you know, and even there i just feel like it's just going into the yeah, that's no disrespect how much, going to, how much is the overhead versus how much right and no disrespect to them i just whenever it just goes i'm like ah oh, is anyone really and yeah. again no disrespect to them but like um when you could see the person and, and talk to the person I always get a better feeling like, Oh, I know this person. We can, Oh my God, I know how to help. So that's why I'm, I'm really excited about, um, on March 30th with James. And I, I gotta say, I think the two, you have an incredible heart and you're going to do a lot of things that you don't even know you're capable of yet. And who knows, maybe this started a tiny little ripple in it all. Who knows? But the more, the more people could be aware of all of it. And quite frankly, they should be very aware that that has always been uh, something I just did not understand. But what you just said was, um, I, I never know which group to do, but I love what James does. I know there's other organizations that are that are similar, meaning I love the, the, the organizations that will take a vet and go, we're trying to heal them. We're going to put them on a farm, a horse farm, yeah. and, and live in the wild for six weeks and try to detox and blah. And we're going to take this one. We're going to we're going to their camping trip for this long, and we're going to go fishing for like this. And we're going to put them over here. And those are those are amazing. I love that stuff because it, you're interacting with them and um, whatever it is. I know there's a million organizations. I got I a know. really cool one for you I just got linked up with. It's called MVP, Merging Veterans and Players. Big NFL personality, Jay Glazer is one of the founders. The yeah. other founder is Nate Boyer. Nate was Army Special Forces. He was also a, a snapper for the Seattle Seahawks. Learned how to do that by watching YouTube after his military career. That's pretty Wow. Cool. Yeah. And so what they do is they take retired – they have 12 – performance workout centers around the U.S. They take retired professional athletes and veterans and they exercise together. Boxing and grappling is a big part of their cross training. They work out together and then they sit around in a circle on the, the wrestling mat floor and they it's called the huddle and they yeah. talk about whatever shit's on their mind. What it's like post their career, professional athlete or military, reacclimating to being a regular person, finding their role, becoming an everyday type of human, 
the trauma, whatever head trauma they from their sports, whatever they've seen, feeling like they have a sense of purpose. And it's awesome. And they're sponsored by the NFL and they're sponsored by AT&T and Michael Strahan and Randy Couture are ambassadors. And if you're a veteran or you're a retired professional athlete, it's free. You just come. And oh, wow. Uh, so I just got the World Boxing Council, the WBC involved, and we're going to wow. now support them and send some of our boxers. They have 12 different cities around the U.S., 12 of our boxers to start holding pads and work them out as professional boxing. But yeah. then we're telling our boxers, sit down and group with them. You don't have to say anything you don't want to say, but what I know is going to happen, you're going to hear them saying the same type of shit that you're already thinking for problems, going challenges in your own life because you're an athlete and it's a combat sport. So we're not so different. And that's where I keep getting on. You don't have to have the same experiences. Right. There's only a set amount of emotions we can feel. Right. We connect right. through an emotion, not necessarily an experience, but an emotion. And what's real in our minds is real. If this is the hardest shit that's breaking me apart, then I'm feeling what you're feeling for whatever's breaking you apart, and it's real. And one of the things I heard Nate say once, Nate, the from the founders, he said, nobody has a monopoly on pain. Mm. Meaning, you don't get to say what's worth hurting for or not. Whatever's going on, if it's real to me and it's all I've went through, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. Yeah, That's a big thing. Sometimes yeah, it really is. Bad bitching, and thanks for understanding that, brother. And that's what they feel really bad bitching about something because they look at like a veteran, like, but I didn't see anybody die. Who am I? Right. Yeah, no, but dude, it's real for you. Right. You're gonna right. bring it home, and it's gonna mess up your life. Right. Right. It's all real. I like that, man. It's on every level, and there's so many guilt. Like, I don't want to bring this up because I know this guy. Man. Yeah. Like, right. Whatever it is, it's still going to bring you down unless you let it out. I agree. And yeah. that goes that goes beyond even the vet world. That goes in real life world. In real life. Real life. Yeah, and one absolutely. of the things he says, oh, I heard him say once also was, my post-traumatic stress is due to a lack of traumatic stress. That's ah. the, you've been, isn't that some shit? You've been wow. living that life so long that you need that rush. And how do you filter it out once you leave that life? Because right. you're like a landmine just waiting to explode on someone. You don't mean to. Right. That rush. Right. Right? Like right. You hear, you hear that shit with football players out every Sunday. When they retire every Sunday, like, they have violent episodes after they retire because they're used to getting it on out. Right. They're used to running, hitting the thing, and they get to push yeah, the yeah. thing back 25. And they're going to smack each other back. Okay, let's just enjoy the rest of our life. <laughs> fantastic steak. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to punch it. Yeah, yeah I, have a, uh, I do have a favorite question to ask. Um, go ahead. So this company I was just made aware of that's looking to create this hub, this central hub for veterans, for any sure. American that wants to donate sure. to a veteran. If this turns out to be what it says, May I share it with James for you to share so people absolutely. know? 100%. Well, yeah, if that goes down, absolutely, 100%. And then uh, we'll talk about that when we're, we're locked and loaded and we'll, we'll keep up with the, with the script and all that jazz and see where it goes. Do you have a website that we can find you? Me? I have all my social – Boyd Melson is my – I don't have my own – actually, I do have uh, – hold on. Hold on, my my guy just made this for me. It's pretty cool. He's uh, like, dude, you're gonna be in a pocket. You gotta put it on your <laughs> website. Wait, let's take some pictures. We need like a, like a social media picture. Let me see. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's a uh, Boyd B O Y D 
dash Melson with an M, not Nelson, Melson. Right, uh, meatball I, Melson, meatball, <laughs> me, meatball. me, Melson. Oh, me, me, yes. And then uh, dot EPK, so uh, Echo Paul Kilo, Papa Kilo, EPK dot FM. So that is my electronic something record my guy made for me. It's got my whole speaking musical, the whole album on there to listen to. It's got where my speaking engagements are going to be coming up. I, I think it's populated with the one, maybe the ones I've, the ones I've done already. Okay. So you know, so you know, if you go to, I did run for U.S. Congress once myself, and I pulled out of the race because a soldier in my I had never deployed, and a soldier in my unit was supposed to deploy. She was in the reserve, and in the reserve you can swap one for one. She had another job in the army offered to her, and it was yeah. given a three-year assignment in a place that she wanted for her family, and it wouldn't have been there if she was deployed. I never deployed. It sat with me, so I pulled out of my end of my campaign, and I deployed instead of her. Mm. So, wow! There's, there's a picture on. If you see me speaking around the White House, you're like this motherfucker. He didn't tell me he ran for. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I did, and it was kind of funny also because I remember uh, my friend texted me two days after my order started for the train up. An acquaintance running for not a friend, his acquaintance running for city council down in Atlanta was mm. like, Boyd, quick turn to this channel. They they just announced there's one of the rising candidates to watch. And I texted her back, whoa, they must have not got the memo. <laughs> My ass is going to the desert. Well, if you decide to do it again, make sure you uh, put everything out there immediately because they'll find it on you. That's what I got to eight mile myself. Like like Eminem and eight mile, you got to say it all up front. You got to st start off at, like, listen, when I was three years old, <laughs> I remember it like yesterday. So let's, let's, let's everyone sit down. It's gonna be a long eight hours before I say I'm running for mayor. But here, let me get this all out there. <laughs> Tim, are you back in New? Are you in New York? No, Ever? man, I moved to Florida. Are you happy? I love it. Yeah. I. How'd you get love here? Someplace. What did How it did for I, you? Um. Well, first of all, I'm fifty. I'm gonna be fifty-five. Um. The last kid, I'm a one year from being an empty nester, my wife and I. Um, when, when, COVID, when, when the madness hit, um, I realized at any moment, which I already know, none of us are in control of anything. Um, but the minute I realized other people can control my destination the way they did and still do. Um, I wanted to pull the reins on wh why do I really work? Why do I really put that? Why do I, do I need to, am I touring for the money? Am I touring? How much time in life do I really have? How much time in life do we all really have? And I kept going, my friends lived in Florida and they kept, Hey man, why don't you come down here? And the flights were like 30 bucks, which is me and four other people, me like four other people flying down. And um, the more I was down in Florida, I was like, oh, no one's, no one's got a mask on down here. Like, no one's, I, it doesn't exist down here. What the hell's going on? What the, what is going And it was such a relaxed, non tension, the sun, uh, being in the warm, being outside every day, um, 
not being forced to be inside. Where I lived too, everyone was, you know, politics and they hate this. And I was like, I, I'm, I, I'm done with all this. I'm just done with it. And so we moved to Florida. And the minute we got here, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like a child. I'm on my bicycle every yeah. day. Every not not riding with my spandex. Not there's anything wrong with it. And my helmet. I'm talking. My handlebars are up here. I got and I'm and I'm and I'll stop and I stare at an egret for like forty minutes. Just and I'm like, oh my god, an egret! I'll watch a hawk. Um, I love nature. It's the only thing that gives me truth. It's the only time where God just lets me know everything going on, tells me who I should call, who I should say, I love you. Um, and it's, it's, I haven't looked back. I love it. I love it in Florida. It's not for everyone, but it's for me. So that's where I'm at. But when I come up by you, I'm going to be in the Long Island in May. I sure would love to come and, and oh, let's figure that out. Perform, let's figure bro. that out. Absolutely. Absolutely, this would be wonderful. Uh, Very cool. And if I ever, what I always do, and sometimes it turns people off, sometimes it doesn't, is what, when I meet somebody and I know there's a not a nonprofit reaches out to me, especially a veteran-oriented one, and they're having some type of event, and they and it's a high, kind of high profile or semi-high profile, and do you have anybody you you may be able to reach out to to ask if they'd like to come and show up because they could be a draw to get more people to come. Sure, I would. I'm going to invite myself to ask you and you can say no. And if you can't, but I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Sounds good. Please. And Sounds thank good. Thank if I can you, pull bro. it off, I'll pull it off. Much and love, man. I love it. And maybe when we get this movie funded, my dear Sean Porter, two-time welterweight champ of the world, maybe with what the movie, we everything in the script is like an innuendo for a talking point about, about mental health and veteran suicide. And then we have the veteran... Or suicide or a nonprofit written into the script in certain parts. Maybe if you're kind to offer this to us, we'd love to come on and talk about it once the movie gets funded. Of course, that'd be fun. Oh man, you're that's that's easy. I give you, I break you with a big bear hug if you were by here. You're so kind. Thank you, brother. <laughs> it's the one in the middle. Yeah, it's the one in the middle. Oh, Make man. sure you get the middle, Mick. I couldn't even keep a straight face. If you came out fighting me like that, I couldn't even keep a straight face. <laughs> hey, man. Boy, this was a pleasure. I, I wish you nothing but love and, and keep spreading that inspiration and that joy and healing. All the people you want to heal, that light just keeps burning. You know what? Light does heal. It yeah. absolutely heals. And uh, you're beautiful, and I thank you for being part of today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for oh, thinking about Thank you for thank yours. You for Jesus. Me laugh so much. And I love it. Uh, you know, I'll put this last. If people are trying to figure out how they can, they have all this goodness inside stored up, yeah. and they want to find a place to help. And if you look at the theme of your life, I think you'll kind of find certain similarities for what you care about. And what I find is when you're doing something that's like in alignment with how your heart beats, just makes you happy, genuinely happy. And you volunteer. Now, I'm not saying give money, go volunteer to physically be somewhere. What you'll find is other people that are the best version of themselves that day. And you get to have conversations and everybody opens up and you'll, it's amazing 
what that will lead to to introduce you to somebody else and some other cause to help. So when you're purpose chasing, when you're in your purpose and someone else's, it's you have that camaraderie. You're getting the best version of yourself, being the best version of yourself. You want to find out? Go, go volunteer. You want to meet some great people? Go volunteer. Go volunteer. Anything. Volunteer and have conversations. That's it. Boom, boom. I'm going to go volunteer right now. <laughs> Getting all jacked up. <laughs> hey, man, much love to you. Thanks for being on today. Thank you, brother. This was and, such a treat. I'm such and a I want fan to thank, of yours. I want to thank James for introducing us. This was phenomenal, and I can't wait to be with him on March 30th. Thank you for what you do for us. I'll meet you when I meet you, brother. God bless. Safe journeys. Got it. Same here. The major, everybody. Hey, man. Um, I think this was the longest podcast I did, but I didn't want to end that one short. There is, um, they are, when I say they, veterans, so I want to get more into this. Um, sometimes I feel with rage. And then sometimes I feel with pure happiness and joy when I talk to people like that. And James, because I know there's good life, but it really, it really does bother me sometimes the way they're not even acknowledged. And we put certain subjects in the forefront. And we argue and we pick it and we, and we televise. You know, we give this group a month to celebrate. We give this group a day. We give this person a weekend. We give them a day. They're worth way more than that. Thanks for joining the Brewerverse. We'll see you next week. Yeah.